listening to episode 229 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of the Showcase Netflix series, Travelers. And if you guys out there have any friends that are just beginning season two, now that it's dropped on Netflix US, encourage them to check the podcast out here. So a couple days after Christmas, I guess we all survived. We we did, yeah, apparently. Yeah, just so I went, uh, kind of another, another Christmas day is really nice, but uh, nothing really notable about it, I guess. All right. Well, I went down to see my brother and his family uh, yesterday, and they went and saw Star Wars on Christmas Day. So I'm always interested to hear what his take, because he's a big superhero guy, not a whole lot of other science fiction. So, you know, he's not interested in travelers or certainly not interested enough to watch it he you know uh, lost i bought him the dvds he still has never watched it so but superhero stuff he keeps up on he was a little less enthusiastic than you but he liked it a lot i don't know i guess there there's probably i i just kind of figure this out like and i know this is really no revelation to anyone else but there's like a lot of negativity in social media, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I think the people who who really liked it probably posted something. Uh, the people who just like come like me like liked it probably didn't really, you know, like you know you're not gonna like throw up on Twitter. Hey, Star Wars was okay, you know. Yeah. But the uh, the haters are are you know always going to be probably the most vociferous uh, groups and everything like that. So and which is fine. You know, like, everyone's entitled to their own opinion and all that. But, uh, you know, so, um, but, you know, most of the people that I talked to said, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I liked it. You know, and then some people think it was awesome. But, uh, you know, like I said, it was just not uh, not not as good as Force Awakens. Uh, I had some issues, but uh, anyway, we talked about it before, so we moved yeah. on. Yep. All right. So, uh, you know, mentioning opinions, we got some feedback for today's podcast and before we move on further we're going to record episode 210 in one podcast and that's what we're going to do right now and then we're going to record a second podcast that will look at episodes 211 and 212 in their entirety that'll be a second podcast released a few days after this one i think you know as you mentioned 211 and 212 are really one episode and it it just makes sense even though they aired them together which i'm not sure they actually wanted to do that the the creators but right that yeah I, i think that makes more sense so uh speaking of feedback as always, emails at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail if you want. You can record your own audio clips, send the MP3 as an attachment, or tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And as always, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So we got three pieces of feedback for episode 210. So I'll go ahead and start us off with Taltos, who always checks in over at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, The Sandbox. So it was really nice to hear from her on this one. And she says, I was surprised the team didn't bring in Grace when they were trying to figure out Simon's connection to the Travelers program, especially later when they determined he was one of the first Travelers and was sent to establish the communication infrastructure. 
Grace was said to have been one of the programmers who created the director and therefore likely crossed paths with the traveler who became Simon. If she had known him in their previous lives, she may have been able to connect with him based on a shared history. That's a good point that I really didn't consider. You know, I we I think even mentioned Grace wasn't in the episode, so I'm not sure, but uh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, some of those things Vincent- could... Uh, you know, it could potentially be the result of you know the actor's schedule too. You know, I always wonder that when suddenly like a major character is just like not in an episode. You know, well that's like Fitz on the first four episodes of Agents of Shield. He was finishing up a movie, right? Do you think Vincent creates the faction? She says the speech he gives to Simon about blindly obeying a machine and humans needing to fight for their future sounds very close to what we know of the faction's philosophy. It also appears that the faction was still in control of the director during the events of episode 203 when Grant was ordered to stop his pursuit of Vincent. It would make sense that the faction would want to save Vincent if he was their founder, whereas it doesn't really make sense for the director to want to save Vincent, especially if he knew the events in the finale were coming. Perhaps the faction has always existed since Vincent first traveled, but got wiped out in the dome collapse prior to the rerouting of Helios 685. Yeah, you know, I mean, we talked about that, whether Vincent's behind the faction. And the faction, I think we determined the faction did not exist when he came because the shelters had collapsed. Right. Or, you know, but that Taltus has a good point there. I mean, they could have been a thing, but just they all died when the um you know when when the shelter collapsed so i you know i don't know this is this is where my brain gets a little mushy because like the the whole causality and and what happened when and everything when you start talking about time travel this is where it gets all confusing but uh, certainly i guess that you know they could have been a thing and just got you know wiped out but then yeah, I guess the, you know you would say did the director not see then that by stopping Helios that that shelter would not collapse and then the faction would ex- yeah you know, it's like this is whole it's you know yeah well right and, and I think on the surface that's correct there's no reason to think the director would want to save Vincent in, in fact you know his fear that the director was seeking him out to kill him is basically you know, what what drove his entire, I think he says, 16 years, right? you know, a- after uh, his arrival. Whether he started the faction, I you know, it certainly makes sense to faction wanting to bring down the director, and if the director gets shut down, then he has nothing to fear. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, if we learn anything about Vincent, it's that his power is far-reaching, certainly yeah. on Earth in the 21st century. Well, we get we get an idea that he seemed like he was kind of a, a big deal, you know, back in, in the future as well, it seems, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Why don't you uh, tell us what Don had to say? All right. So Don says, guys, there are a couple of things on the show that need to be brought to your attention. One, what the future looks like. They said the ozone layer burned off, which means the surface is uninhabitable from radiation. Further, they also said the shelters were underneath the ice. Possibly there is an ice age. 
True. Yeah, and, and I think we addressed that because I think at the time we were figuring that that they were under. I think we said two thirds of a mile of ice. Something I, I like forget that, yeah. how they had it. I think I think they reported it in meters, and we were talking about our um, <laughs> woeful ignorance of yeah, right <laughs> of, of what that that actually means. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and but, Simon mentions it too, like how they're under the ice on um, uh, 0211, right? Yeah, but but I think you know, as Don points out, and, and it's it's something that it's still difficult to wrap my head around is that the shelters are that far under the ice. I, I mean, you know, we know that, but then to really think about it is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and there's pictures that we see that Simon's pictures are pretty uh, wild, too. So, so <clears throat> anyway, uh, number two, uh, season two, episode six, 17 minutes. Most of, the early, A, most of the early attempts were by the girl who probably had no idea how to operate a dirt bike. You might learn to operate a car from a simple simulator, but not a dirt bike. As for the guy, uh, he did try the bike on his second or third attempt. Overlooking it, in his case, can easily be attributed to being in a stress mode that time often results in tunnel vision. Uh, yeah, you know, I, as soon as I read that point, I'm thinking, okay, if it was me and I encountered a dirt bike, I, I'm just walking past it because I have no idea how to start um, or ride a dirt bike. So anyway, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, B, uh, the girl parachutist never carried multiple downloads at the same time. Her problem was that each download damaged her brain a little. Each attempt happened several seconds after the last, by the end with no time for recovery, her brain was no longer suitable for downloading. That's when they switched to the guy. Mm, I don't know if I agree with, with that one. I'm, I'm pretty sure she would have maintained, you know, cause each time, someone new was downloaded into her the previous person would that you know didn't go away right well you know that that's you know his third point about memories of the host you know sort of addresses that to a certain degree so you know i'm not sure that whole idea of being overwritten is i guess what's being addressed in in, right. in that uh, and if she's being overwritten does the first incarnation still exist in some form? You know, are, are there residual data right. still there? I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. So, it's, it's something to think about for sure. Uh, which brings us to three memories. Host buys retain all their memories as well as those of the traveler. You seem at times to be suggesting that is not the case. However, I do think that even so, there is some sort of problem in the area it's not just not spelled out very well. It could be a loss of associative structure, like if you remembered your first kiss, but not the emotions associated with it. Or it could be that with two sets of memories, they are not well integrated. Uh, happy holidays, Don. P.S. I hate cliffhangers, seriously overlapping season arcs. And this is two seasons in a row. They've done just that. Grr, arg. Uh, and I definitely ag- agree with that uh, last one there, Don. I'm going to have some words about that when we get to that point. Okay, but the uh, you know the the memory thing. Do they retain the host's memories once their consciousness is you know placed in that body? And I mean, it's something that has come up. So so Don's saying it retains all their memories, and I, I'm not sure 
what, Don, you're basing that on unless it's Marcy recalling the events that occurred to her, you know, when she goes in in the bathtub in, in this episode we're about to talk about, and she has those flashes to, you know, and we, of course, learn how it is she became intellectually challenged. Because prior to that, I think we only knew from McLaren and he had those little bits and pieces of his relationship with Kat. And I'm not sure I recall that it was ever implied, even inferred that they had all the memories. I could be wrong though. Yeah. I don't, I mean, definitely memories are are there. Obviously we've seen that now uh, two times and it seems like you need to undergo like a kind of like near death experience in order to access those memories. But as far as all of them, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, and, and we did see, it seemed like, you know, Grant, the previous Grant, McC- Grant McLaren was like going away, right? That was like the whole point of McLaren's thing is that he was kind of chasing down uh, Grant's memories before they lost him, I I think. I, I could be wrong with that. But just, um but certainly the memories are there, though. That's I think that's the, the main point, and they have access to them, and, and uh, at least for a time, apparently. But but the, of course, no. with Marcy, everyone seems to suggest that like no one, the people who say to her, "Well, you can, you know, you can get to those memories." Uh, no one's saying, you, you know, you're on the clock, right? Um, so you know, maybe there's something that is uh, permanently there. Okay. Well, and maybe we'll find that out in season three. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so so at this point, it's really just been Marcy and McLaren that have been trying to access those memories. And in McLaren's case, he wasn't necessarily trying. It just kind of happened. Right, right. Uh, you know, she was obviously clearly trying. Yes. Right. And, and then we also heard from Fred and his feedback is as follows. This episode had two quite separate storylines, and I'm not sure if I liked the complete separation aspect of it yet. Got Marcy's bathtub story and the rescuing of a future president story. I found the rescuing of a future president story nicely action-packed, but not so interesting. In contrast to the Marcy story, it was okay and brought the episode into balance, so to speak. Marcy's bathtub story. It took me some time to realize what Marcy was doing, but then I realized she was trying to copy Grant's near-death experience to go back to her old consciousness. It gave us some insights into her past life and the various stages of Marcy 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. Actually, I think we have to upgrade that with one point and perhaps make it even more confusing that way. Great, just what we need. Yeah. (laughs) All right. He says, one... I got the impression that before Victor Ingram gave her the treatment, she was a health worker with normal intelligence. So the real Marcy, Marcy 1.0. After Victor did his thing with her, she became mentally impaired, Marcy 2.0. Then a traveler took possession of her body, Marcy 3.0. And then after Grace did the reset, she became the present day Marcy 4.0. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And that's one of those things that... That's fairly straightforward. So I, 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 even I can handle that one. Yeah. So it goes on to say, I wonder if she, after though, her ice though, cold. Um, Fred is kind of making the mistake that we've made a number of times by calling uh, Vincent Victor. Oh, well, it's probably our fault he's doing it. 
Yeah, it might be. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, after her ice-cold near-death experience, will she become an integrated Marcy 1 to 4? Oh, interesting. Most importantly, her love for David is back. I wonder if she'll tell David the whole truth now, and that's obviously something well, we've been talking about the entire series. What's going to happen if and when any of their significant others find out? I get truth? at this point. Do we? So, so are, are we going to go by this by like we're just going to comment on episode ten and not pull in the stuff yes. that we know? Okay, all right. Yes. All but right. I so, will what did refrain from commenting on that then? Okay, so what did Victor do to Simon? Did he also get a treatment like Marcy? How mentally disabled is he? He seems to know about the Travelers because he makes a drawing of 0092 and calls her that. What's he building for Victor, a mini quantum frame? He says, quote, I helped build the first one in the future, too. Is Simon a Traveler himself? I think so because he calls the future home sweet home and the fact that he's building that machine for Victor. And what does Simon mean by, quote, you have two people that want the same thing. The two people fight over the one, and then there's none. Well, yeah, as you said, some of these things we'll find out in episodes 11 and 12, but I was certainly wondering the same thing. Is he building a mini quantum frame? And I do think what we get out of this is that, yes, he did build the first quantum frame, and, and you know, I think by extension is, is certainly a traveler, but... That's something that, that is confusing even in 11 and 12. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, about what actually does he do to Simon? Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I th even at the end of it all, I'm not sure what Simon's uh, story is. So he says, best moments from the episode, how Marcy and David met and how David treated her. I really melted away seeing David's sweet, committed, social and human ways. So adorable. <laughs> David's quote, Oh, looks like the previous tenant left a big chunk of chocolate. No, that's hash. <laughs> take 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 that away. That, uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was absolutely classic. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you can't see the the photo that Fred sent us, but he's asking what we think Simon's drawing was when you first saw it, and and I like Fred thought it was not necessarily Shelter Forty One, but one of the shelters, a, one of a, the domes. Right, a, a shelter, yes. Yeah. It, it's something right, it, that is clearly instantly recognizable that, you know, um, you know, Marcy just kind of, I think, at first just kind of catches out of the corner of her eye, but she, like, stops dead. Like, what is, where that, you know, like, all of them are, and you see all of them being very emotionally impacted by the drawings. So it's something very significant about uh, for the yeah. future yeah all right and he has one nitpick why is marcy on an electrocardiography machine e ecg she can't see or hear it herself submersed as she is the one that walks in on her carly or david has an obvious intervention to perform with or without the ecg I also wonder if it would really have worked after connecting the plug <laughs> went yeah. down under the ice cold water I, I I kind of nitpicked on that as well. Okay. I hope from Mackenzie Porter that the ice cubes were made of transparent plastic. Yeah. I, dude, I was thinking the exact well, same thing. So, yeah, the, the second time I watched it, when she moves, you could actually hear, like, the plastic knocking against each other. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. they're not going to put her yeah. in 
you know, bathtub. I mean, unless she's like a method actress, you know, if she was like hardcore. She'd be like, nope, ice. I need ice cubes. Yeah. He says, I give this episode an 8.5 out of 10. And he says, beware that in our grading system, and, and I'm not going to run through the whole thing, but he did give us a copy. <laughs> there's quite some differentiation above that grade possible, whereas an 8.5 is still an A plus in your system. So anyway, thank you, everybody, for sending in that feedback. I mean, as we always say, we want this to be your show as much as ours. We'd love to hear what you have to say just as much as what we have to say. So yeah, keep that stuff coming. I, w- so. I wonder if, if this is a, uh, a, you know, a grading. It kind of looks like a, uh, like the shoe chart for that. You see the different sizes, but apparently we overgrade in the USA, I think is maybe the point of the, uh, and he still has F's. Yeah. We don't give F's anymore in America. We give E's. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Or what the- <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let, let's talk about, Travelers episode 210 entitled 21C, at least what, what we still haven't talked about you know, after doing the feedback. This one was written by show creator Brad Wright, who wrote 101 Travelers, 105 Room 101, the season two premiere Ave Machina, and he also wrote 207 17 Minutes, directed by Will Waring, who did 108 and 109, Donner and Bishop, and this one aired December 11th, 2017. We, we talked a little bit from Fred's feedback about the, uh, you know, the Marcy 3.0 and, and technically, I guess that would be 4.0, but she's never seen Vincent, I don't think. Uh, I mean, McLaren was the only right. one that had seen Vincent right when he went to his house. So, yes. so that's certainly something. And, you know, in Marcy's memories, it appears Vincent's building some sort of device that, w- that was certainly alluded to in, in the feedback section. But what is it? Uh, you know, is it a quantum frame? At this point, we don't know exactly what it is. We wonder, is it to transfer consciousness? But what are the implications of the success of this device? So, I mean, certainly that's something that, that we have to consider. Because the, if we've learned anything about Victor, it's that... Or Vincent. Uh, if we've learned anything about Vincent... <laughs> It's that he is really as morally bankrupt as they come. I yeah. mean, we've talked about the ethics of the traveler system, but oh my gosh, he takes it yeah. to a new level. Yeah, he is. He is awful. Um, part of I, I, and I, I, you know, put this out there now. I'm not going to really elaborate on it now because we, when we get to the end, talk about it more. But I mean, he is just so utterly detestable i can't decide whether that makes him a great nemesis a great bad guy or a terrible one it's almost like they made him too hateable um and that his his continued existence is like intolerable to me you know so and 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 in 211 212 he he gives us his excuse for being that way and and of course we don't buy it Right. It, well, I mean, he's I mean, done so much other. Like, I mean, his excuses. I'm trying to, you know, from I'm trying to save my son, and it's like, but you've killed and hurt so many. Like that just does not wash. You know, that's not even a a good reason for what you're doing at all. Like, I mean, I, I, 
I mean, like, it's, they've made him so hateable, I can't even accept that, you know, like, something as simple as I, I'm trying to save my son. I just, I, I, you just absolutely can't accept it, because he's just so utterly hateful and evil and detestful and, ugh. Right. And whatever he's building, we know it's not good for everybody that's not named Vincent. So. Correct. Or right. Victor. God. Now I'm messing with you. Or, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why didn't the director know that Marcy was intellectually challenged before sending a consciousness? Now, we know that the, supposedly the director sent it based on her social media accounts. But to a large extent, it's also because the hospital records were scrubbed. Right. So if the director had access to those as well then the director would have had to make some sort of a distinction between the fake social media accounts and the actual hospital records. So, so while I don't know that the director would have acted any differently, the director may have said, well, these don't jive. Maybe I just better pick a different host completely. Yes. Yeah. So. Or the director doesn't care. Like this is the person you need to be, uh, deal with it. Right. You know, like yep. Philip, the same thing gets sent into a you know, a person with a drug addiction. So, like, it's almost like the director's like, "Here, yeah, you need a little bit of challenge in your life." Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, so there's one thing I, I think, which I just thought as you were talking, is the this idea that Marcy, like, I mean, like they 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 damage her and then just kind of cast her off into the world it see, she doesn't like have a anyone like there's no like parents or friends or anyone who would be like hey what the heck happened to you you were you know, you were fine a couple months ago and and now you're 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 not like like so there's there's no one and she's when she's cast off into the world it's just you know, luckily David runs across her and, and is able to get her set up with an apartment and everything. But so are we really to believe that the previous Marcy had no friends or family or anyone who could have helped her out, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is an interesting point that I hadn't thought of because, I mean, she certainly is, is an attractive young woman. So you would right. think she has some sort of a social life. Sure. Whether or not she has parents or family is what you're saying and i guess the assumption is either she doesn't have them or they just don't live anywhere nearby yeah so. yeah i mean and i get it like you know when you're like they don't have in the format of a tv show you don't have you know you, you've got to keep like a fairly tight narrative structure here right and that 43 you, minutes exactly so um there's certain things that you just you know, you kind of like just say, hey, audience, just you're going to have to kind of let this go. So unfortunately, when you have a popular show, people look at the details and everything. So yep. uh, but, you know, so, so I get it why they, you know, obviously to, to that's just kind of like a, you know, like a nitpick or whatever. But um, but, yeah, it's just something that I thought about while you were talking there. You know? All right. Well, let's look at the first story. And again, we, we've talked about it you know, to a certain extent through the feedback, but Marcy's attempt to regain the missing pieces. So you got all this monitoring equipment, which as Fred points out, uh, what's the point? It, it looks cool. I guess my nitpick would be, where did she get it? Uh, although I guess they have a means of 
procuring whatever it is they seem to need. But yeah. we, you know, the first thing I guess I thought was we don't know for sure whether or not they're all accurate memories. I guess we have to go under the assumption that they are. And then one of the first that we see is Marcy 1.0 learning to read with an orderly who, I don't know if you recognized Amari I, Newton I from not, Continuum. Because you know, we, we didn't have the glasses on. The the voice sounded so familiar, I just couldn't place it. And then just looking at IMDb, I was like, that was Amari Newton, holy cow. Like, wow. Yeah. And, and of course, he truly has Marcy's best interest at heart, but when we encounter anybody else, it, it, it's clear they don't care. And, and you know, when that other orderly comes in, and boy, what a slimy-looking guy he was. And, of course, he was supposed to look like that. Right. To, to bring her in for a treatment. And, obviously, it freaks her out and, because she's had these before. We don't know how many at this point. But they certainly appear to be some sort of electroshock. We see Vincent, of course, who turns out to be the doctor. I only want to make you whole again. Well, as we've said, if we've learned anything, it's to whatever he says, yeah. believe the opposite. Right, right. Well, so we have, it's like almost like every cliche since one flew over the cuckoo's nest, right? Of the, you know, of the you know, kind of hospital situation. You got the, as you said, the guy who was just the quintessential scumbag with the greasy hair and the, the dodgy beard and everything. And, uh, you know, and then the evil lab coated overlord or whatever, uh, the good-hearted, orderly, but ineffectual, who, you know, is sympathetic but unable to, to save the protagonist. So it's almost like, you know, it, it's like kind of like a lot of cliches of the uh, that we see um, from this type of situation. Um, I, I, I just want to come back one more thing just about the uh, – the the ECE the uh, whatever the device that uh, Marcy hooks herself up to it just like bothered me so much even like the first time uh, as she's getting in the tub I'm like hey you gonna you gonna put those wires in front of you oh nope you're not you're just gonna go right into the <laughs> like uh, I'm sure like the people I, I yeah I don't know like I guess they just didn't want to reshoot this scene or something like that I'm just but I was just thinking like she should probably have you know, put the wires like across the front of her chest. So as Fred pointed out, like what's the point of having them in the first place unless when the people come find you, they say, oh yeah, she's flatlined, all right. Or they'd say, right. hey, nope, she's her heart's still beating a little bit. So I don't know. But yeah, uh, anyway. because I'm pretty sure they would want to pull her out of the ice because she's clearly unconscious, right? whether there are machines there or not. But uh it, it the, the ice that the, never melts, despite her apparently being in there for like hours and stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, they appear to be going in chronological order because the next scene we see her, she's working as an orderly in a psychiatric facility. And at this point, we think perhaps it's the same one. And her patient has drawn a picture of a girl whose name is 0097 and hasn't been born yet. Okay. And, and obviously we know that's traveler lingo yeah. and, and she confronts vincent about what's taking place here so uh, right away she's suspicious which 
I guess in turn leads Vincent to choose her as his test subject. Right. Well, and by chronological order, you mean like reverse chronological order, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, right. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, she kind of marks herself, right? Like, well, she should have recognized that she was in a TV show and, and that her calling attention to the injustice she sees is only going to bring her pain and suffering. But, uh, um, but yeah. Well, right. So, I mean, in, in that regard, she's, you know, just like Amari Newton's character who, who, sees these people for what they are human beings that that should be treated with respect which is again i think a word he uses several times next we see vincent getting marcy to agree to have her brain scanned as part of his work and the exorbitant amount of money that she sees at the end of the document leads her to sign the paper but you know we see she's reluctant to do it but again money means nothing to Vincent. Money is right. simply a means to get what he wants, and he seems to have, uh, you know, a, a never-ending supply of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, she sees it, and she's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And he's like, is it? Yeah. You just want to, like, just freaking punch him when he's... <laughs> like, you know, like most other people in the world are super concerned about money and everything. So for someone to be like, oh, I don't even know. I have so much money. I don't even know that that's a lot. Like, F you, man. Like, oh, I hate him. Him so much, right? And and she immediately has second thoughts, and he's like, well, "You signed the paper, you can't back out." Yeah. Well, no, I am. And, and then, of course, that orderly grabs her and, yeah. and places her in a chair. And the next image we have of her is she's dropped off on a street corner, wearing you know n- nice dress. So, certainly something that we've seen Marcy one point wear you know, in the beginning of the series, clutching a children's book. And then, of course, this is the, the first meeting with David, who essentially, uh, as you said, rescues her from harm's way. And and again, if I was going to nitpick something, which I'm really not, he certainly gets her that place awfully darn fast. Yeah. So unless he already had a safe house or whatever they call it in, in the counseling arena, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think we just kind of narratively jump forward and just, you know, understand that some he got yeah. her the place somehow, and it wasn't necessarily right away, but just that. But well, she's still clutching the same book. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Oh. And wearing I, the same I, I dress. Didn't, I didn't catch that. Okay. Well, that so. might be the only book and dress she has. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. But, nah, yeah, okay. I didn't catch that. Yeah, good point. But he leaves her there. In tears, I mean, it's just really heartbreaking because, you know, certainly because we know their future history together. And just to see I like how you like said that, that, their future history. I like that. I know. Wow. I'll write that down. <laughs> All right. So we see she's drawn a lot of pictures. She's put up in her place. And you probably noticed the one that, that depicts her and David as a couple. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, we see her uh, being taught to read by David. And you know, again, at this point, I'm wondering whether she's these memories are accurate or not. And then as they're walking, she takes his hand. You know, you're my boyfriend. And, and again, we don't have to keep going on about David and his morality because he, he does exactly the right thing in virtually every situation. So Yeah. But, but you know, it's because – and again, I promise to stop harping. But th- that was like what he said, like of – 
like this would be inappropriate i'm like i feel like that's exactly what i'd been saying like at the beginning of a of the show a lot just how you know kind of like sketchy this whole the at first the now of course we've we've and they've written it to so that david's not a, a creepy guy because he believed that she was a fbi agent undercover and so um so it's 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 fine right um yeah with that he comes to realize that she was never chat mentally challenged that that she she was just all the whole thing was some kind of uh, elaborate undercover operation and everything so so we get it so we we've given uh david the pass and he and we know he's a a, a, a super good guy and everything um it was just funny to hear him say that because i you know said that so much early on so but uh but yeah so fortunately, Carly is the one to find David. And I say fortunately, I guess any of them would have known what to do. But there's something about Carly. She, you know, I mean, we know she's the specialist of the team. But, you know, she comes in there, leaves the shootout, which we'll talk about in a second, finds her in the tub, uses the paddles to shock her back. And then there's the note that she left for David, which says, if you're reading this, no, I didn't do this to leave you, but to be whole again. You're a part of that. I need to fill a void I know isn't supposed to be there. I know this hurts you, but it was worth trying. And you understand her sentiment. And, you know, maybe she doesn't see what David's reaction is going to be, and rightly so, is that how could you do this knowing I'd be the one to find you? Right. Right. The whole like, well, if you're reading this, I'm dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Carly was supposed to, she had arranged for Carly to be there, but unfortunately she picked four o'clock, which was also the exact time that they were in a shootout with the, I guess the faction. Right. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, Carly was a little tied up at the time. Anyway, she wakes finds he's gone to work, tracks him down, tries to explain, and then kisses him like she means it. And I'm thinking, yep, she found the missing pieces, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which again, is, is cool. But then she sees that street art, gets her attention. He tells her, well, I know the guy that drew it. Yeah. And boom, perfect, perfect ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And just like with, uh, you know, Grant, it's almost at this point do we stop calling them by their names and start referring to them by their their traveler designations because you know we're really starting to see the uh, you know fissuring of of the personalities here i I don't know if i that was the right word to use i just came with that word but anyway so but you know marcy like grant was able to experience the things that the host had experienced that made them love the other person right and and that that was what she was looking for you know she was looking for that those memories that uh which showed why the the original person had fallen in love with the person that they fell in love with and so and then once they experience it seems like they really integrate those memories and make them their own you know all right well the second part of the story is the mission to protect potus 53 we are working with Hall's team again. They abduct the little girl on her way to school, somehow freeze her three friends, which 
Not sure how they do it, but that was cool nonetheless. Well, and it, it, we learned that. Go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just thinking that you know maybe because they're kids that the director can somehow do that. But yeah, that was that that was definitely new, right? We haven't seen them freeze time before, right? No, no. So turns out that she needs protection from the faction assassins who you know want to take her and. I love the scene Hall has her at the diner and they're all eating and, you know, these three guys, and we certainly know who they are. The girl asks some kind of question. He's like, all right, well, that's eight. <laughs> he's giving her like 10 questions. I love yeah. it. I, I, I just love it. McLaren shows up having been assigned as backup. Why does the faction not want her to become president? So, you know, one of the things it seems like uh, – Every show I'm watching these days, except for Vikings and Nightfalls, time travel oriented. But there's something called the bootstrap paradox, where an object or information can exist without ever being created. So in other words, travelers from the future bring back information or an object from the future. So now it's in the present, but it really was never created in this time frame. So again, without getting too confusing or because i'll confuse myself but obviously they bring back information about anna's future and what is it about her becoming president and and you know we hear about the election and you know we don't need to go over all those details i don't think but obviously there's something that she's going to grow up to do that the faction doesn't want her to do so they take her to that safe house out in the country and again i like the fact that I think the importance of this segment of the episode is that Hall and McLaren need to understand that they're on the same team, even though they have, you know, their uh, things they don't like about each other. And and, and I, I like the fact that they, they do shake hands at the end. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, and Hall basically says, listen, you got to get over it, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, and, and we see that, that uh, you know, once they cooperate, that they are actually able to you know really be effective, right? You know, the whole shootout scene, which was pretty cool, it was pretty well done. I I, I was thinking, I'm not sure I'd use a mattress for protection, but I guess it was more for visual protection. But again, a mattress isn't going to stop a no. High, yeah, I was. That's not effective. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but thing. but. You know, the faction did come with what looked to be 20 or 30 agents and, and badly outnumbered, uh, you know, they they held their own. They, you know, too bad they didn't you know, go back in time to the Alamo and help out <laughs> right, but, David but, Crockett yeah. and all those guys. Or Who knows how the they Alamo, would much. change uh, ch- change history then, right? So they can't do that or, stuff. Yeah, good point. All right, so <laughs> uh, Anna's returned to her parents who are now travelers because her parents died trying to protect her or certainly that's the history that they were trying to avoid and and then of course we see hall and mclaren shake hands after that so um you know pretty good episode uh, i i you know think it's certainly you can't ever accuse travelers of standing still in terms of the overall narrative yeah definitely not um you know and so, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of times, like narratively, we can kind of link the two stories, but these are really two completely separate stories going on here. 
um, that they they tie together at the end. But uh, you know, Marcy's um, you know struggled to find herself, I guess, or find her inner David or whatever. And uh, the 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 mission to protect uh, fifty three were just uh, you know completely separate things. But it worked really well how they how they did it, um, going back and forth from one to the other. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to bring up about two ten? Um, I don't think so. You always say that, and then you realize there is something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to take uh, you know, one last uh, look at my notes, but I, uh, I, 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 I think we're good. Okay. Well, what do you want to give this one? You know, I actually kind of like this one um, a lot. I, you know, I, I like the the action in it, and. Uh, you know, I feel like I should give it an A minus just because that whole thing with Marcy, the wires going underneath of her instead of her, <laughs> her chest, just still <laughs> bothers me too much. No, that's silly. Um, but uh, you know, but again, I, I feel like I should reserve A's for like the really super awesome ones. And while this was a really good episode, I wasn't the super awesome one, so I'd give this a solid A minus. I think. Okay, and that's what I'm going with for pretty much the same reason as you so all right well we'll leave it there uh we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight love to hear what you think about anything going on in genre television thoughts on travelers encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website And we'll be back with our next podcast to talk about Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12 of Travelers, titled Simon and 001. But until then... All right. Hey, Dave. I can tell you still got a problem with me, but you got to get over that.